Throw me the ball and watch what I do with it. You are now tuned into the Cherry Picking Podcast with your host, Andre Cherry. Hey everyone, thank you for downloading another episode of the Cherry Picking Podcast. I'm your host, Andre Cherry, and I want to welcome you into this week's show. I'll recap week six action, and then we'll preview a little bit of week seven and get into some other topics. But I'm so excited to be back on the mic. I didn't record an episode last week, and my apologies for that. Things at work and things in my personal life have just been so busy, but in a good way, of course. So I didn't have an opportunity to record, but I was watching college football, and I I hope you were watching it as well. Last week was pretty fun. This season overall has been pretty entertaining, considering the fact that things look different, things feel different in this pandemic, but the action each week in college football has been great to watch. I'm excited to have this podcast episode for you to listen to and enjoy today. So I didn't record an episode last week, but I did get a chance to speak with my good friend Casey Callanan. You know him as Casey Kane. We got on the mic. We also recorded a YouTube uh, video as well, which was the first time I've ever done that. But he was on the podcast to talk about his new book. It's called How They Got Their Billions, Exploring the Business Stories of Pro Football's 32 Owners. It's a fun book. It's a a great read if you're an NFL fan and you want to know how the teams of the NFL or maybe your favorite team, how their owners acquired their wealth and how they acquired their franchise in the NFL. So it's a fun book if you've got a business mind or if you're an NFL fan. I think it's worth the read. And you can find the link to the book and to the podcast and to where you can find that YouTube video on my Twitter feed at Cherry underscore Pickin. But that's what we did last week. This week, let's get into the podcast. So we're going to recap week six action. And to begin with that, I will recap my six Week six locks. So in the week six, I went four and one, which is pretty good. And the ACC, I had NC State over Virginia. NC State got the victory 38 to 21. I think Virginia was favored in this matchup by at least a touchdown, I want to say. But the Wolfpack have been playing pretty, pretty decent ball. I mean, they're three and one right now. In this matchup in particular, the Wolfpack outrushed the Cavaliers 179 yards to 82. NC State had 11 penalties for 100 yards, which is not something I like to see, my friends. You know this. But the big difference in this game was that the Wolfpack defense was able to force four, count them, four UVA turnovers, including three interceptions. So the defense was getting after it like gangbusters in this matchup against Virginia, a team that was pretty good last year. And and NC State, they're up above the uh, ACC competition, most of the competition. I mean... They are 3-1, and one, and they are right in the mix of the ACC standings right now. So, as you know, the ACC, they're not doing divisions this year. It's all one, all one big pot. And so NC State is the next team up from the undefeateds. You've got Clemson, you've got UNC, Notre Dame, and then you have NC State right there in the mix. So I'm excited to see what the Wolfpack will do the rest of this season. I think they play Duke this weekend, I want to say. So on paper, that should be a victory. But I get the lock in the ACC, NC State over over Virginia. And then another game in the ACC, we had Notre Dame over Florida State. 
Notre Dame gets the victory 42-26, and the Irish rush for 353 yards as a team. Good golly, that's a lot of yards. Irish running back Kyron Williams rushed for 185 yards on 19 carries with two touchdowns. This young man has been a solid workhorse for the Irish so far this season. And then his colleague Chris, Chris Tyree ran for 103 yards on 11 carries with one touchdown. So these two men had one hell of a day rushing for the Irish. And the Seminoles, I mean, they, they were leading this game after the first quarter, 17-14. But if the Knolls can put it together and learn to finish games, they'll be competitive again sometime soon. Uh, didn't help them this week against Notre Dame, who has all the tools at their disposal. Quarterback Ian Book is a really, really uh, solid quarterback in the ACC. He's going to be one of the He'll be on the uh, on the charts at the end of the season when we're looking back at how how well players did. Ian Book's name will be right at the top of uh, of quarterback play within all of FBS. Um, but you know, give it some time for Florida State. I know it's not what we're used to seeing out of that program, but if they can just finish games, I think they'll be more competitive sooner than later. Is all I'm trying to say. So I get the victory there. Notre Dame over Florida State. In the Big 12, I had Kansas State over TCU. Kansas State holds on to get the victory by a score of 21-14. to The thing I wanted to call out in this game was that K-State defensive back A.J. Parker had an interception return for a 37-yard touchdown in this game. So that really proved to be the difference in a close matchup as this one. But Kansas State continues to roll on, and they are going to be, they're looking like one of the better teams in the Big 12 this season. So hats off to them. Iowa State is also making a little bit of noise as well. So let's see if these two teams can push for the uh, Big 12 championship crown this year. In the SEC, I had Florida over Texas A&M. This was my loss of this week out of my week six locks. A&M gets the victory over Florida, calling it an upset because it was by a score of 41 to 38. The quarterbacks in this matchup threw for over 300 yards apiece and no interceptions. Gators quarterback Kyle Trask threw for four touchdowns, while Texas A&M quarterback Kellen Mond threw for three. And Texas A&M running back Isaiah Spiller, he rushed for 174 yards on 27 carries with two touchdowns. So Texas A&M was able to control that ground game and hold on to get the victory, which was not good for me in this case. So that's my loss of the week. Uh, In the SEC, I also had Auburn over Arkansas. Auburn beat the Razorbacks by a score of 30-28, to which is pretty close. Arkansas is probably not that far away. These two teams combined for close to 900 yards of total offense. Auburn rushed for over 250 yards. And big man Auburn running back Tank Bigsby. That's a powerful name. I like that name. Tank Bigsby rushed for 146 yards on 20 carries. So I get the victory in the SEC. Uh, overall, that put me at 4-1 and one for last week. Overall, in this entire series thus far, I am 25-4, and four, which is good for 86% accuracy. These are straight-up predictions. I want to call that out. So I went 4-1 and one in Week 6 action. If we look ahead to Week 7, let's run through my locks for this week. And we'll start with, in the ACC, NC State over Duke. These two teams last met in 2013, and NC State dropped back-to-back meetings against Duke. So when Duke was a little bit better, they uh, were able to clip my Wolfpack in those two matchups. But NC State's looking pretty pretty solid. Their offense is looking pretty good. 
The defense came up pretty pretty major against UVA last weekend. So I'm taking NC State over Duke. It seems like every time I pick NC State to win in my locks, they actually win in real life. So I'm going to try to keep this going. I'm going to see how far I can pick NC State this season. And hopefully it results in them being atop the ACC standings this year. So NC State over Duke. In the ACC, I'm going to take Clemson over Georgia Tech. This is a no-brainer. The last nine meetings between these two teams have been decided by more than 14 points. Georgia Tech got the impressive victory over Louisville on Friday of last week. Uh, didn't see that coming. And so Jeff Collins is is getting his boys inspired. Georgia Tech is not that far away. They are not that far away. Maybe next year they'll be super competitive, but you know they're making baby steps. But in this matchup against Clemson, I'm taking the Tigers over the Yellow Jackets. In the Big 12, I'm taking West Virginia over Kansas. That's a no-brainer. In the SEC, I'm taking Tennessee over Kentucky. The Vols are 17-0 at Nayland Stadium versus Kentucky. Did you know that? 17-0. Now, even with that fact that I just threw out there, I, I expect this to be a close game. Kentucky has been in all three matchups of the season thus far. They beat Mississippi State 24-2, but the previous week they lost by one point to Ole Miss in overtime. Kentucky is playing competitively, and so I'm not going to say this is going to be a runaway victory for Tennessee. I I like Tennessee's odds of beating Kentucky at home, but I'm just saying, watch out. This could be a really, really close game. And then in the SEC, I'm going to take Texas A&M over Mississippi State. Mississippi State impressed a lot of folks in college football by their victory over LSU, which was a huge upset. And so while that air raid attack, you know, it's flashy, it's fun. I think the fact that they beat LSU the way they did is more indicative of the fact that LSU is really bad and they're really bad on defense. So I'm, I really like A&M's chances over Mississippi State. Uh, so I'm going to pick Texas A&M, but I just wanted to call that out. Like Mississippi State, they, they look good against LSU, the, the reigning national champions, but we're now seeing that LSU is no good this season. And so I don't know if it's realistic for us to think that Mississippi State is going to be able to have that same level of production against other teams in the SEC. And we're seeing, I think I saw something last week in their loss last week that uh, Mike Leach, he wasn't really owning the fact that his team lost or he wasn't owning the fact that his team wasn't in a better position to win the game. It sounded like he was trying to say, you know, there's some players that, he needs to see if they want to be a part of the program. And he was trying to go in that direction, which he's taking some heat for because that's not really the type of uh, comments you want to hear from a head coach on TV, like in a, pro, uh, a post-game interview manner. Like you, you want to maybe keep that in-house and you can share those thoughts amongst your team. But when you come out on national TV and you share those opinions and you say what you said, it gives people the wrong idea about you. Um, I'm not trying to defend Mike Leach in any way or anything like that, but I'm just I'm calling out the fact that it's not good when you're throwing your team under the bus. You know, you would hope as a head coach, as a grown man, you would take responsibility and say, you know, the loss is on me. But you know, it's small peanuts, and I'm not really trying to derail this conversation. All I'm saying is Mississippi State, they're playing against some teams now that um, are going to be a lot tougher than LSU was a couple weeks ago. So with that said, I'm going to take A&M over Mississippi State. Texas A&M is a team that I don't know that I truly understand yet or uh, have the 
have a good feeling of who they are. They almost seem bipolar in a sense, and I, I hate using that term. But a couple weeks ago, they barely beat Vanderbilt. I think the score was 17-12. to 12. Then last week, they get embarrassed by Alabama by a score of 52-24. to 24. But then this week, the Aggies beat number four ranked Florida, 41 to 38. So it just, it's just, it's kind of crazy how this team performs. You know, they play to the, to the level of their competition, apparently, I guess. But they're going to have to play a lot better. And Kellen Mond should be doing a lot more to help that team win and be a leader for that team. So I think it all starts this week, AM over MSU. So those are my five locks for week seven action. And so I'm going to run those back by you one more time. In the ACC, I'm taking NC State over Duke. In the ACC, I'm taking Clemson over Georgia Tech. In the Big 12, I'm taking West Virginia over Kansas. In the SEC, I'm taking Tennessee over Kentucky. And in the SEC, I'm taking Texas A&M over Mississippi State. So those are my five locks for this week. I'm going to go 5-0. Book them. Count them. Let's go. 5-0 Five and zero this week. I'm, I'm looking forward to week seven action. College football thus far has been really entertaining, and so I'm ready for the action this weekend, and hope you are too. So with that said, we're taking a little timeout, take a little break. I'll be right back. On the other side of this break, we'll recap some of the games from week six action. I'll also preview the huge matchup this weekend. We got Alabama versus Georgia. Who you picking? Who you got? And then we'll talk about a little uh, other news outside of college football. But I'll be right back. So just sit tight. Don't go anywhere. I'll be right back. What's going on? It's Casey Callan, host of the Characters of Boxing and Beyond podcast. I'm here in beautiful Charm City. And I just want to remind you about a new book from Clear Contender Media. It's called How They Got Their Billions. We're exploring the business stories of pro football's 32 NFL owners. Every NFL team is worth well over a billion dollars these days. Some NFL owners amass their fortune through inherited wealth, oil exploration, but other stories are more far-fetched than fiction. So this new book, How They Got Their Billions, by me, kind of exploring the different path that all of today's 32 NFL owners took to acquire their fortune and team. So definitely check this book out. It's available right now clearcontender.com slash books or you can find it on Amazon and uh, have a good one everyone want to know what life is really like after the game is all over real athletes are here to share their true stories of adversity and triumph every week on after orange slices even if you don't like sports pro athletes former college stars celebrities coaches public speakers doctors and all kinds of experts join the show and there's a little bit of something for everybody Join me, Bridget, for a slice of inspiration, plus your everyday sports news sprinkled in. New episodes every Friday at 8 a.m. Pacific Standard Time, available anywhere you get your podcasts. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the show. On this side of the break, we'll recap a few of the games from Week 6 action. There were a lot of exciting matchups. Uh, We'll take a look right now at the ACC. We had Virginia Tech versus North Carolina. UNC would get the victory over the... Hokies by a score of 56-45. UNC's offense was busy as hell on Saturday. The Tar Heels offense racked up 656 total yards, including 399 yards of rushing. Damn near 400 yards of rushing. That's insane. UNC quarterback Sam Howell, sophomore sensation. He threw for 18 for 23 for 257 yards and three touchdowns. His running backs were busy. 
So running back Michael Carter, he rushed for 214 yards on 17 carries with two touchdowns, while Javante Williams rushed for 169 yards on 20 carries with two touchdowns. If we look at the other side of the ball with the Hokies, their running back Khalil Herbert rushed for 138 yards on 18 carries with two touchdowns. So the ground game was real busy, real active for both of these teams. And the defenses seemingly were non-existent in this matchup of, of high-powered offenses in the ACC. Um, UNC, they'll roll this, this upcoming weekend against Florida State for sure. That matchup shouldn't be too much of a challenge for the Tar Heels and Mac Brown. But the matchup that I'll really be glued to is the week after that on 1024. UNC versus NC State, my Wolfpack. I'm hoping NC State can get an upset victory. I'm hoping that NC State is ranked by the time they head into that matchup next weekend. Uh, so that would be really cool if College Game Day came out to uh, to that matchup. I, I, I don't know off the top of my head if that's in Raleigh or if that's at Chapel Hill, but that would be awesome to see NC State and UNC represented in college game day in two weeks but that was a pretty crazy game of offense i mean 56 to 45 that's a lot of points unc gets the victory and they are atop the acc standings i mean they're right there with clemson so unc is having one heck of a a season thus far and so we'll see what they can do the rest of the way then in the sec we had missouri versus lsu and coming into this matchup i didn't think missouri would stand a chance against lsu even though LSU is not the same team from last season, and they've lost a lot of players, a lot of key players, a lot, some coaches even, LSU is still a team that is, you would think on paper, is a mismatch for Missouri. But uh, not not this case. LSU lost to Missouri by a score of 45-41. to New defensive coordinator Bo Pelini, you remember that guy. You remember him from Nebraska. He's having a rough go at things down at LSU. He's the new defensive coordinator. LSU allowed 586 yards from Missouri on Saturday. LSU, if you recall, against uh, Mississippi State, I mean, they allowed that team to rack up 632 total yards of offense, which is crazy. That's insane that they allowed that much offense. And even the fact that they allowed 586 yards against Missouri, I mean, that's unacceptable. Missouri's quarterback, Connor Bazelak, he threw for 406 yards with four touchdowns. So he had his way with LSU, and they they now are under 500. I mean, LSU is 1-2 right now, and they're going to be in a world of hurt this season. I mean, this is not going to be good, my friends. They've got Florida this upcoming weekend. That's going to be ugly. Auburn, Alabama, Texas A&M. I mean, these are just some of the teams that have the, the those are some of the ranked teams they play this season i'm not even looking at the the rest of the schedule but just in those games alone it's gonna be one hell of a season for lsu and so hopefully they can kind of restore that roar down there in baton rouge and hopefully they can fix things and hopefully bo pelini can keep his job if uh, he can get his his defense to play a lot better than they have but yikes man missouri gets the victory over lsu that's that was a crazy game that was a crazy game to see that the Missouri Tigers put up 45 points against LSU and won the game. That's insane. Then we had the Red River Showdown or the Red River Rivalry, whatever flavor you like, versus Texas and Oklahoma. This game went to four overtimes. And it seems like every season, these two teams have some sort of crazy finish, or at least recently. Oklahoma gets a victory 53-45. to 
in this matchup, Oklahoma, they put up 469 yards of total offense. Texas also put up 428 yards. I mean, there was a lot of offense on display. Never seems like defense is in the picture of these matchups, uh, at least for the last 10 matchups or so. I mean, this seems to be an offense-driven conference. We already knew that. But in this game in particular, I mean, there's a lot of offense that flies through the air and, and on the ground during this Red River showdown. So offenses were in full effect. There were way, way too many penalties. Texas had 10 penalties for 86 yards. Oklahoma had 11 penalties for 121 yards. Both these teams had fumbleitis as well. They each turned the ball over three times to the defense. So it's just, it, it's not a pretty game. I mean, if you like offense, that's that's cool. I, I'm an offensive-minded guy. But I want to see who's for real. Who is real out of the Big 12, out of these two teams? I, I picked Oklahoma to win the game, which they did. But it took four overtimes to do so. Like, these teams, in my opinion, I mean, that's trash. That is trash. It is. And I know Oklahoma, they have a new quarterback for like the fourth time this year or fourth time in a row. They have a new quarterback, but this is not good football, all this offense, because you know what it means when you go to the playoffs, whoever whoever of these two teams makes it to the playoff, if they do, they're going to get run out of the arena. They're going to get run out of the stadium because they just, they can't stop offenses. And so it's pretty, it's a pretty poor reflection on the conference, I'd say, because we know the Big 12 isn't a defensive-minded league. And a lot of offense, but there's no defense. That's always the knock every year. So honestly, if I'm looking at the Big 12, I'm hoping that a team like Kansas State or Iowa State can win this this conference this year. Because I'm tired of Texas and Oklahoma doing what they do every season, but then they don't really do anything in the playoffs. So it's just like, I want to see some change. I want to see some variation. I'm hoping this year Kansas State or, or Iowa State can do it. So we'll see. The season is a long way from over. You know, I, even though Oklahoma got the victory today, I, who's to say that they're going to win out the rest of the way? Same with Texas. I'm kind of tired of talking about them, I'm tired of hearing about them. If they're not going to actually put something together and be competitive and win the Big 12 Conference. It's just I'm tired of hearing about them every year. But I dig- digress. So that was Texas versus Oklahoma. Another game that was uh, that had my interest was Temple, ver- Temple versus Navy. Temple came out and played. I mean, the, from an offensive perspective, they they were in the matchup. Navy got the victory 31-29, but the big thing to call out in this game was that Navy's offense, I mean, they were running like wild men this weekend. They racked up 251 yards of rushing offense. They controlled the the game for the most part it seemed I mean they had the ball for 35 minutes so Navy was able to run all over Temple's defense they've had some players you know transfer they've had some players go to the NFL like Sean Bradley so they've had some changes on that defense but defense has always been the strong point of the Temple Owls team for the last several years so it was kind of crazy seeing Navy just have their way with Temple but on the same same token Anthony Russo looked pretty impressive. He, he he had a pretty pretty okay performance uh, against Navy. He went 21 for 30, 
206 yards through the air, one touchdown and one interception though, that which is not good, of course, but uh, Temple's offense was moving the ball. They were running well with Ray Davis. So, you know, Temple will, um, you know, this is not necessarily a, a gloom or doom type game that they had against Navy. And again, keep in mind, this is Temple's first game of the season. Navy has now played four games this season. So they've had, they have that game experience. They were, you know, able to just get in groove and get in rhythm quicker than a team like Temple, who this is their first game. They haven't played anybody. So I don't think the sky is falling. Um, they they played USF this weekend. The Temple Owls do, so they have an opportunity to get a win there. Uh, but I just wanted to call that game out. It was a game that I was watching with uh, with some interest due to uh, me being literally ten blocks away. And so I'm gonna try to do more with the Temple football team and try to try to give you more content there. It's just like I said, it's been crazy times for us all. And uh, things with work and, and in my personal life have just been kind of busy right now in, in a good way. But I'm looking forward to trying to produce more content for y'all as we move forward. So those are the games in week six. If we take a look at the game I'm going to be glued to this upcoming weekend, it's number three Georgia versus number two Alabama, which will be played in Alabama. Bama has won the last five in this series, which includes two SEC titles and a national title. So Georgia has been competitive they've been relevant out of the, their division of the sec and i think if kirby smart and his dogs are going to turn the tide and turn a chapter in their history at georgia they're going to have to beat alabama this upcoming weekend if we look at just another stat i want to throw out to you georgia they've led or been tied with bama in 119 of 120 minutes in the last two games but they lost both of those contests. So Georgia's really going to have to step up and they're going to have to play better ball and win the game. They just have to win the game if they want to be dominant and be that team, that program that is thought of as being a superior team at the SEC. They've got to do it this weekend. Georgia versus Alabama, number two versus number three. Who you got? Georgia, they played uh, already played a tough schedule. I mean, they had number seven Auburn, which they won. They had number fourteen Tennessee, which they they beat the Volunteers, and now they have number two Alabama. So it, it doesn't get easy with this COVID schedule. They're they're playing some real games early on this season, so they have another test this weekend against Alabama. Some key players to watch out for for Alabama, of course, quarterback Mac Jones, who is right now through what, three weeks of action. For the SEC, he has a 79.5% accuracy rating with over 1,100 yards thrown and eight touchdowns and only one interception. So this young man is balling. And then you also got running back Najee Harris, who has accounted for 423 yards, total yards from scrimmage with 10 touchdowns. And on defense, you've got linebacker Dylan Moses, who has accounted for 23 total tackles with three tackle for losses. So this team is well-rounded. Georgia's defense, though, by comparison, they've only allowed 38.3 yards of rushing. 38.3 yards of rushing. That's insane. Out of the teams I just mentioned, Auburn and Tennessee, like that's crazy. Overall, they've limited opposing defenses to 236.7 total yards, but they've also on offense racked up about 420 yards of offense. Um, So Georgia's defense is definitely a strong point to this team. They're going to have to get busy and they're going to have to be physical against Alabama because Bama's offense has averaged thus far 51 points per game. So, you know, 
this is gonna be it's gonna be a, a juggernaut type fight this weekend against number three Georgia versus number two Alabama. So I'm excited to watch that contest. I'm sure College Game Day will be at that game. I'm pretty sure. So it'll be exciting to see what actually happens and what shakes out. But that's the game that I'll be watching this weekend. Hope you watch that matchup as well. If we move ahead quickly here, I, I did want to say in other news, the Big Ten comes back next week. So if you're a Big Ten fan and you've been watching the action, you, you've been waiting for your team to get in to this action. I mean, it's been fun watching college football thus far. I mean, the action has been competitive. And, you know, I don't really know outside of Clemson if there's a true number two or number three or even number four best team yet. Because we've seen some parity thus far. We've seen some teams lose that we wouldn't have thought would lose, you know, their matchups. But, you know, we're seeing upsets on a weekly basis. Uh, so it's going to be a fun finish to the playoffs this season, honestly. And when the Big Ten gets involved, the same could be said for them. There, there's going to be upsets and parity within the Big Ten this season, no doubt. Just because of COVID and because of everything going on, you know, it's it's going to be an interesting matchup each week of the Big Ten season. But if you're a team like Ohio State, you got to handle your business. You got to take care of business each week and you got to beat teams outright. You got to embarrass teams like you did last season. And, you know, they can do that. They will be in the playoffs. But outside of that, I mean, it's it's hard to predict each week what a team's going to do because it's just crazy times right now. And the preparation has been different this season. You don't have the cupcake games in the beginning of the season. So we just, you know, we're getting a first look at some of these teams each week. And the SEC, I mean, they're playing legit teams each week among the among themselves. They're playing tough games each week of the season. It's it's been hard to predict, you know, which teams are going to win or which teams are going to lose. So I'm looking forward to when the Big Ten comes back, because then it'll feel like football is really here. And then the Pac-12, they'll be playing soon enough as well. And honestly, I'm kind of cool with the Pac-12 not playing because I'm on the East Coast, and so I, I like when the football is done early. I don't have to wait up all night to see what happens in the in the Pac-12. So I've enjoyed the conferences and the teams that have played thus far. Certainly looking forward to the Big Ten coming into the mix because they play early games as well. But when the Pac-12 comes in, it's going to be kind of crazy. Those late night games usually will run well past my bedtime. I'm usually in bed by like, try to be in bed by like 10 uh, these days, 10 Eastern time. So it'll just it's just crazy everything going on with the season. And on that note, as we're talking about this crazy season and COVID, we've seen in the NFL, they've had to adjust their schedule because of the impact COVID has had on that league. The NFL, they juggled its regular season schedule because of coronavirus outbreaks among the Titans and the Patriots. Nine teams right now are being affected, some over a period of weeks through November 22nd. So you've got the Patriots, you've got Tennessee, the Denver Broncos, the Buffalo Bills, Kansas City, Miami Dolphins, the Los Angeles Chargers, New York Jets, and Jacksonville Jaguars. So there's a game at uh, New England, originally scheduled for Sunday, and then it moved to Monday night when the Patriots had more positive COVID-19 tests. Now it'll be played next Sunday afternoon. So the move came after the Patriots had one new positive test for COVID-19 on Sunday morning. And then the Titans, I thought I saw that like 23 people had a positive test, which is crazy. Like that virus is spreading like wildfire through that locker room. It's That's insane. Kansas City had a game at Buffalo. 
which was supposed to be played on Thursday night. It was moved to Monday night, uh, Monday, October 19th, so a week away. I mean, these teams are having to pivot and adjust, and so it's just crazy. Like, So you got the Jets at Chargers moves from week 6 to week 11. Jaguars at Chargers moves from week 8 to week 7. Chargers at Broncos moves from week 11 to week 8. Chargers at Dolphins move from week 7 to week 10. Dolphins at Broncos moves from week 6 to week 11. So we're seeing all sorts of shifts and all sorts of changes in the scheduling. Meanwhile, the NBA just finished up its its season and the Lakers won the NBA championship. So hats off to the Lakers and that's cool for Kobe that they played for Kobe's, you know, legacy and his spirit. But NBA didn't have any positive tests this entire time and they lived in a bubble for like three months. The NFL, you see what's happening, COVID spreading like crazy. It's a contact sport, so you would expect that for that to be the case if one person has it and then they're playing football or if they're among coaches or teammates or personnel, you know, the the likelihood of spreading it is pretty high considering the fact that they don't live in a bubble. You know, these players aren't quarantining themselves in a bubble like community. They're trying to be as safe as possible. Sure, I'll give them that. But we're seeing this virus spread through the NFL, and so they're trying their best to reshuffle schedules and readjust and pivot where necessary. So right now, it looks like they'll still be able to play despite the changes to the scheduling. But I'm really curious to see how far we go before we have a a big outbreak or, or God forbid, you know, uh, whole team gets it and they have to shut it down for a few weeks. Like we we're not there yet. But I'm not going to be naive and say that it's not going to happen at all. It certainly could happen. And so, you know, I'm really curious to see how the NFL will handle the rest of the season. On the same token, a team or the conference like the Big Ten, they're coming back next week after initially saying that they are not going to play football at all this fall season. So they're going to come back amid a pandemic. What if it spreads among the Big Ten? Like, it it just seems kind of crazy it seems crazy. I mean, I'm, I'm going to be real. It, like, it seems crazy to me that we're playing right now amid a pandemic. I think that's insane. But on the, on the same token, if they're able to be smart and take the necessary precautions, I mean, it, it can work. But what is the end goal? Like these, some of these teams in the, in the, in the football, college football level have had to cancel games or postpone games to the next week. Like, I guess it's cool, but it, does it seem like it's more trouble than anything? And I know it's a small subset of all the teams overall playing, but I just, I wonder if we're walking ourselves into a corner where we're setting ourselves up for a huge outbreak or God forbid, you know, somebody dies from the COVID uh, virus. It just, it just doesn't seem like it's, it's smart right now. But again, I just run a podcast. I'm not running the college football. I'm not running the NFL. So it's out of my, out of my hands to make that decision. But I'm just saying... It'll be interesting to see what will happen if things spike or if things get worse, God forbid, uh, as we move forward. But I'm sure, hopefully, the NCAA has a plan uh, to respond to it. I hope the NFL has a plan to respond to it as well. So it'll be interesting to see how everything shakes out. But with that, I want to say thank you for listening to this episode this week. Week 7 action should be exciting, should be fun, it should be 
great time for everyone to watch if you, uh, if you enjoy college football and you, you need something to take your mind off of everything else going on in this world. I hope you have a good weekend uh, watching football and, and watching the MLB action, and it should be, uh, should be an interesting week. So with that, I want to thank you for downloading this show. Thank you for being a supporter of this show, and thank you for following me. And I hope you all have a great rest of your week. Hope you have a great weekend. Hope you stay safe. Wash your hands, socially distance, be all that, do all that stuff to keep you safe. And then also go register to vote if you are trying to vote in this upcoming election. You can go to vote.org to see how you can get registered to vote. If you have your mail-in ballot, please send that back ASAP or take it in to a, a, a polling box ASAP. And, uh, you know, just, uh, just want to remind you all to, you know, do your civic duty if you can. And if you want to. So with that, thank you for downloading this show. I will talk to you soon. Have a good one, y'all. Be safe. I'll holler. Take care. Peace. So the defense was getting after it like gangbusters in this matchup. <laughs> thank you again for tuning into my Cherry Picking Podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, please feel free to subscribe to my show and drop me a rating on Apple Podcasts. All of my digital content can be found at the website cherrypickingsports.com. And if you are looking to interact with me via social media, my Twitter handle is at cherry underscore pickin. That's P-I-C-K-I-N. On my Twitter, you'll also find a link to my blog where I post my weekly college football predictions and analysis. I can also be reached via email at cherrypickinsports at gmail.com. Please feel free to reach out to me regarding what you like about this podcast or about what content you'd like to hear more of on future episodes. I sincerely thank you for your support, and I can't wait to talk to you again soon. Take care.